This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From Little League Baseball to the majors, the journey for every ball player is unique. Join us for an in-depth journey as we learn about the men of the green and gold and what defined their journey to the top. Zito's 3-2 pitch once again. Curveball, ring him up. Inside corner, strike three call. Roberts in disbelief, baffled by the curveball, and Zito gets back-to-back strikeouts. This is The Path, chasing the MLB dream. Sure. There is the fastball. Zito checking with Hernandez. Now winds for the 0-2, and it's swung on and missed. Fastball up and away. And the old bread and butter. And a big curve and a big swing and a miss. I wonder what the MPH on that one was. 74 miles an hour. Wow. And even the big three with Tim Hudson and Mark Mulder. But what about the man? The player who went from junior college in Southern California to first-round pick. The player who won the 2002 American League Cy Young Award. The player who became a cross-bay rival. The player who triumphed after being forgotten just a few years prior. How does a player transform to become Barry Zito, author, musician, and dad? Join us as we detail Barry's journey on the path. Las Vegas, Nevada is the entertainment capital of the world, and it also happens to be where Barry Zito's story begins. Barry's parents, Joe and Roberta, met in the 1960s while working for Nat King Cole. When Barry was six years old, his family moved to San Diego, and this is when Barry began to fall in love with baseball. I knew I loved it when I was, I think six is when I first took the field. I ran out to the to the center of the t-ball field, even though there was no pitcher you know in that on that level uh, for whatever reason I just ran out to the little chalked out circle in the dirt and you know kind of from there it was just a love affair with pitching and uh, I don't even think I was pitching until the next year when I got moved up you know past t-ball but um, I just always loved it ever since day one. During Barry's childhood his father didn't know the game well he began reading more about baseball to help Barry ultimately bringing the father and son duo closer together. Baseball is a kind of a sport that you do share, you know, I guess kind of like dad and son, you know, is kind of the visually that you have thrown in the backyard. And so for me, my father had come off of being a very successful talent manager in Las Vegas, and we had moved to San Diego when I was six. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot of entertainment business uh, per se in San Diego. So he really just, you know, jumped right into helping me with baseball, almost like a talent manager would. And uh, he was very strategic in the way that he would kind of put me on different teams, you know, as I was coming up. And he, he was always adamant about putting me on a team uh, that was almost, you know, uh, higher than my skill level. Because I was always, he, he said, you always have to dangle that carrot. And uh, so I was always motivated to, you know, be as good as the guys I was against because he was always putting me in the higher, 
you know, in the higher level. And I think that was a huge reason why, you know, I kind of climbed through the ranks because I wasn't always playing against competition that was, you know, easy to play against. Joe began to recognize the talent his son had, and he knew he had to bring in an expert to help push Barry over the top. When Barry was 12 years old, he began working with one of the greatest San Diego Padres pitchers of all time, the 1976 Cy Young Award winner, Randy Jones. Randy was such a character. You know, I think he won the Cy Young in 1976, and I remember always seeing that Cy Young on his wall when I would, uh, I started working with him when I was 12. But I always saw it on his wall when I'd go over there. And that, you know, it's just like a really cool plaque. And it was right there in his family room. And, uh, yeah, so I just never forget kind of going up there and always staring at that thing. And uh, I really just admired, you know, more of the person he was. I mean, he accomplished great things. But Randy's such a character. Everyone in San Diego knows, you know, being around the ballpark. And he had his barbecue out there. He just, the guy is just good vibes always. Randy recalled meeting Barry and his father and knew right away Barry was special. Barry Zito and his dad is just one of those special moments. And it's not, you know, the commitment I really respected, you know, from Barry's dad and his, and his mom. But, you know, overall, it was Barry himself. Uh, I can just see it in his eyes. And when I worked with him day in, you know, week after week, uh, the passion that he had for the game, I could feel it. I mean, I, I, I was there as a kid. And I, I went through the same things he, was, he went through. And, uh, it was absolutely amazing. His commitment and his desire, it just fired me up. Every time I saw him, I absolutely loved it. And, you know, the kid never seemed to disappoint me. He wasn't afraid to work. Yeah, he was a goofy left-hander. Probably why I liked him a little bit more. Jones began coaching Barry for $50 per session and immediately put the young left-hander to work. I put him through the you know the, the whole array of, of uh, what it becomes to become a, a big league pitcher. Uh, and he continued to respond. I mean, I understand, you know, the the mechanics of the arm and how you how you pitch, and and we went through up, you know, there's there's like I think there's in my opinion there's four different ways that the arm goes when you in mechanics, and and we had to go through all four of them until he got satisfied or got comfortable with one of them, and I kept telling him that this my not my decision which one you're going to use, that's yours. I'm going to show them to him. I'll show you how to do them all, and you got to tell me which one you want. And it, and it that took a while. It took, you know, I don't know, 10 or 12 months for it to finally to boil down to what he knew he what he wanted to do. I remember one Saturday he came up and we were working on a changeup. He walked in and said, I can't throw a changeup. And I looked up at him. I said, what? And he said, I can't throw a changeup. And I'd already told him. And I said, don't try to throw it 50 times. It's not enough. When you, if you get to 500 times and it doesn't work, then you can say something. You know, and he did, he waited a week, and I made him throw changeups for a straight hour and a half off the mound. Not one fastball, you know. And he must have thrown about 250 changeups, and actually it was getting pretty good. And that's I kept trying to tell him, but I'll never forget that. But the one thing he he never quit learning, he never quit working. You know, and he'd lose confidence here and there, and maybe we had to walk through that mentally. And that failure was part of this game. That's how you get really good. You got to be, you got to man up and, and handle those failures, and that's how you become a good pitcher. Under his tutelage, Barry gained valuable experience pitching on varsity, but gathered no interest from the top West Coast colleges. Barry had three scholarship offers coming out of high school in 1996 Wake Forest, Cal State Northridge, and UC Santa Barbara. 
Barry was also drafted for the first time by the Seattle Mariners in the 59th round that same year. Barry chose to attend UC Santa Barbara, and this is where he met another influential individual during his journey. In the summer of 1996, Barry's father reached out to then-Toronto Blue Jays minor league pitching coordinator Rick Peterson to gauge his interest in working with his son, and Rick remembers that call like it was yesterday. The story, which is so incredible, I was the minor league pitching coordinator for the Toronto Blue Jays. We were wrapping up spring training. I was looking at videotape around 6 o'clock at night in the spring training day, when, so everybody's gone, and I was just wrapping up the day to, to wrap up spring training to lay out curriculum for our minor league pitchers. And the clubhouse guy comes in. He said, hey, Rick, you have an urgent call. And, and this guy says, you got to take this right away. I said, well, who's it from? He said, Joe Zito. I said, Joe Zito? Who the hell is Joe Zito? You know, so I pick up the phone. I said, hi, this is Rick Peterson. He said, hi, this is Joe Zito. I'm Barry Zito's dad. We've done a background check on you, and we've selected you to finish off my son to be a major league pitcher. <laughs> I said, wow. I said, Joe, I said, I'm flattered. I said, I, I said, I don't know how you got my name or whatever, but I'm flattered. But, you know, I don't know anything about your son. And, you know, I don't know if it's even ethical that as a minor league, you know, pitching coordinator that I can work with that kid in college you know let me find out i said let's call back let's let's touch base about a week later after spring training's over so i called some friends and my scouts and found out like you know is, is this is barry zito going to be like a top draft pick they said yeah rick he's a potential first round draft pick you know i mean he's he's scaling that way trending that way and i said oh wow so I called Joe, you know, Joe and I connected back. We come up with a deal and, you know, I tracked hourly wages and I spent a ton of time with Barry on the telephone initially. And then he was pitching in the Cape League and I was uh, taking a few days off because as a pitching coordinator, like you travel all over and then you take a you know, few days off and then go back around again. So I was in New Jersey and I get a call from Barry. And he said, listen, um, I'll drive down. I'd like to really, you know, as we you know, planned, you know, go through my delivery and, you know, give me some drills and the whole, the whole deal. So he comes down and it was raining that day. It was like a little drizzle in the, in the summertime and he wasn't going to throw, but we were just going to go through his delivery. So we couldn't even go to a mound. And here we are in a parking lot in a junior high school parking lot. And we're using the lines of the, for the parking spaces as the pitching rubber. And we're going through his pitching delivery. Barry and Rick hit it off due to their shared interests in many things including meditation, and the two bonded as Barry went off to UC Santa Barbara. Barry made the all-freshman team, striking out 125 batters in 85 and a third innings. In 1998, Barry transferred to Pierce College so that he could be eligible for the Major League Draft. At Pierce, he went 9-2 with a 2.62 ERA with 135 strikeouts in 103 innings. He was named to the All-State and All-Conference teams. Barry was selected in the third round of the Major League Draft by the Texas Rangers in 1998. But just like with the Mariners, he did not sign. For his junior season, Barry transferred to USC. Going back down to USC uh, after hitting a couple of junior colleges on the way, uh, it really was just a whole different, I mean, it was like, wow, look at this, you know, look at this campus, look at this program. I'd always watched the Trojans, you know, on TV. And of course, the year before that, they won the World Series in 98. So I was so excited to, you know, to wear the the uh, maroon and gold there. And, and, you know, we went pretty far that year. We didn't get to the World Series, but we, we lost to Stanford, unfortunately. So all the barrier folks <laughs> were probably happy about that. Zito showed it was a wise decision as he went 12-3, and three, with a 3.28 ERA, 
154 strikeouts at 113 and two-thirds innings. He was also a first-team All-American and the Pac-10 Pitcher of the Year. During the summer of 1999, Barry was once again selected in the Major League Baseball draft, but this time in the first round by the Oakland Athletics. Zito began his professional career that summer with the Visalia Oaks, Oakland's Class A team. He went 3-0 with a 2.45 ERA in eight starts. He struck out 62 in 40 and a third innings. That earned him a promotion to the Midland Rockhounds and went 2-1 with a 4.91 ERA to finish the double-A schedule. Then he got one start for the triple-A Vancouver Canadians of the PCL, allowing a lone run with six strikeouts and six innings. In 2000, Barry started with the Sacramento Rivercats and went 8-5 with a 3.19 ERA and 91 strikeouts. Then, on July 22nd, Barry Zito made his major league debut. Now ready again. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Hill goes down on strikes. Another first occurred for Zito on September 10th when he threw his first shutout against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Zito, two out in the ninth inning. Ready to work. And the pitcher on the way. Swing and a bouncing ball. Third base, too hot. Chavez on the grass. Throw to first. A's win. Complete game. Barry Zito, shutout. A quick one, two, three, ninth inning, which typifies his day for the left-hander, Barry Zito, as he wins his fourth game of the year and only his 10th Major League start. Barry went 7-4 and four with a 2.72 ERA during his first season with the A's and finished sixth in the American League Rookie of the Year voting. The biggest game he pitched in 2000 was game four of the American League Division Series versus the New York Yankees and his childhood idol, Roger Clemens. His pitching coach at the time was Rick Peterson, who helped him reach the show. So we're sitting next to each other in Yankee Stadium. It's about, you know, it's probably like 40 minutes before the game. And, you know, so I'm start, I start talking. You know, here he is. This is his first playoff start, you know, in his first season, half season in the big leagues. And he's pitching against his idol, Roger Clemens, right? So I'm talking to him. You know, on the bench, we're sitting in the, on the on the bench in Yankee Stadium, like trying like I'm trying to relax him, right? Like he needs to be relaxed. So I'm like going, "Hey, see, I said, hey, did your parents get in? Okay, is that everything cool? Did you get your tickets? And they got in cool, and you know, like just like mundane stuff to kind of bring everything down to normal, you know, like is everything cool? As I'm talking to him, he's like doing this panoramic view of Yankee Stadium, looking around Yankee Stadium, right? And I realized. He's not listening to a freaking word I'm saying, right? <laughs> he just looked and he's taking this whole thing in and then he turned and he hits me, like kind of taps me on the arm and he looks me, we look dead in the eye. We're sitting about 12 inches away from each other, right? He goes, oh my God, Rick, I've dreamt about this my whole life. Are you kidding me? Yankee Stadium, postseason, fall classic stuff. This is so cool, Rick. And I'm like going, oh my God. I mean, who is this kid, right? You know, I mean, he's a kid. And we, we start to hit. Almeida Science hits a two-run homer off of Roger in the first inning. And I'm sitting next to Z, and Z sitting next to Matt Stairs. And Matty wasn't playing that day. And Matty was like, just, you know, like all like energized because of the playoffs. And he's like going, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. Oh, my God, Roger, he does. he's got nothing. Come on. He goes, Almeida, let's go. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I'm like kind of like, Matty, like, I'm, I'm trying to like 
give Maddie a signal, like, let him calm down. Let, get away from him. You know what I mean? Let him sit here and relax, right? So the inning's over. We got a two-run lead. He stands up, and he, and he takes his jacket off, and he slaps Maddie on the, on the arm. He goes, oh, Maddie, this is going to be so freaking cool today. And then he goes out and wins his, wins his first playoff game in elimination. Is that unbelievable? Barry outpitched the Rocket, going five and two-thirds innings with five strikeouts as the A's forced a game five with a resounding 11-1 victory. The 2001 season was another building block for Barry as he won 17 games and finished with a 3.49 ERA as the A's won 102 games and finished second in the American League West to the Seattle Mariners, who won a record-tying 116 games that season. On September 10th versus the Texas Rangers, Barry had his third complete game of the season. And Nerdy Kennedy began this year with Texas before the trade to Atlanta. Oh, oh man. Twice Palmero has looked unraffy-like, and that tells you just how good Zito is. The A's took on the New York Yankees in the American League Division Series for the second straight year and lost in five games again. After the season, the team had to replace three key members in Jason Giambi, Johnny Damon, and Jason Isringhausen. Many people believe that this was the best team the A's had during the 2000s. 2001 was an incredible team. I mean, we won a ton of games, and I think we came in second place that year, did we, with 102 wins? Pretty special team, you know. Johnny Damon was part of that team. Jermaine Dye, I mean, you know, 2001 was incredible, but we didn't really know different, you know, as young players. We were surrounded by so much talent. And, of course, looking back, we're like, wow, that was a really special team. That was a special era in Oakland A's baseball. But as a player, and you know, you just kind of come up right into that. You don't quite know the difference. I think that was absolutely the, the, the best team that we had while, while I was there, without question. Um, we, we had we had everything. But, you know, again, you get in the playoffs and things just don't go your way. You, when you look back on, on all those kind of things, it's just incredible. But when you look at that year, that was, just, that was just the most incredible, I think, team that we had. The 2002 season was supposed to be a down year for the Oakland Athletics after losing the heart and soul of their team and several other key pieces to free agency. Not to mention the start of the season couldn't have gone worse. The A's started out slow and were six games under 500 after May 23rd, and it started to look like a lost season for the green and gold. Barry Zito was 4-2 and two with a 3.92 ERA after his 10th start on May 21st, as the team was looking for answers. Then, something clicked for Zito and the A's, as the team began to play better and started chasing down the Seattle Mariners and the Anaheim Angels. At the time, Ken Maka was the bench coach for the Athletics, and he noticed something changed with Barry during that season. Well, this guy was uh, a perfectionist. Barry walked around with a, ro- a watch on, okay? So he'd go out in the outfield and he'd play long toss, and he knew he was going to play long toss for 12 minutes. So he timed himself to do that. And then he was going to go over in the mound and he was going to do his side day and he's going to throw 15 pitches here, 15 pitches there, very much uh, into watching the films and observing his delivery. This guy uh, was a perfectionist when it came to his mechanics and all the minor details that go into becoming a great player. Uh, him, unlike the other two pitchers, his stuff, so to speak, as far as having that 95-mile-an-hour fastball wasn't there. But his control and command of his pitches was outstanding. 
in those years that you mentioned, particularly the 23 win season, he had great command on that curveball and his changeup, and uh, he was able to throw those pitches at any count. So if he got behind in a count, three and one, two and one, he could throw that changeup or his curveball for strikes, and it just kept the hitters off balance. From June 1st through the end of the season, the A's went 78-31 and and finished in first place in the AL West. The team also had a 20-game winning streak from August 14th through September 4th. Hatterberg has a career home run off Grimsley. He's one for five when they've matched up with each other. This year, Hatterberg in pinch hitting rolls is uh, one for five. 269 average. Has gone deep a dozen times. Now the pitch. Swung on. There's a high drive. Hit way back. Right center field. That one is gone. And it's 20 consecutive victories for the Oakland Athletics on an unbelievable night when they lost an 11-0 lead. And now they win it. Hatterberg is mobbed at home plate. The crowd comes back to insane life. Crazy. Just plain crazy. How do you explain it? In 103 years of American League Baseball, the Athletics have accomplished what no one has before. They have won 20 consecutive games. Zito went 19-3 with a 2.33 ERA over his last 25 starts, including a six-inning, two-run outing against the Kansas City Royals on September 2nd to give the A's their 18th straight victory. And Zito's 2-2 pitch to Beltran. Swing and a miss. Got him with a breaking ball in the inside corner. That big, sharp breaking ball from Zito. And Barry has his first strikeout. The incredible 25 starts gave Barry the American League Cy Young Award as he went 23-5 with a 2.75 ERA. The first A to receive that honor since Dennis Eckersley in 1992 and the fifth A all-time. Oh, two was kind of an extension of, I had a pretty good hot streak in the last couple months of 01. Uh, and that's really a, that was a career defining moment for me, 2001, because I was very, I was a very bad, a bad pitcher really for those first four months. I was six and seven. I had over a five ERA and had this huge, crazy turnaround. And, um, and so 2002 was really an, of an extension of that turnaround where I just kind of stayed hot, so to speak. And, um, so for me, man, I was just, I was just on clouds, you know, going into spring training and riding it. But, um, early on in that season, I remember I gave up six runs in the first inning in New York against the Yankees. And it was very embarrassing because one of the hits I gave up, Jorge Posada hit a ground ball and it literally like went right through my legs. Uh, it was so hard. I didn't even get a chance to try to field it, but you know, I gave up six runs in the first and I, that lit some type of fire in me because from that game on. You know, um, I think I was one and two when that happened. And, you know, and from that game on, you know, what what would have been 22 and 22 and three or something for the rest of the year. Right. So, you know, it was just one of those experiences in life where everything's clicking. Um, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of fear going out there to throw. I was more just excited and really felt like I was just going to go kick people's butts and have a good time. And uh, that that always taught me a lesson. I couldn't really ever replicate that domination. But 
the mindset of really going out to have fun and enjoying like just hanging out with the guys. I mean, that's really where my head was. You know, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, I have to win this game because, you know, we're in the playoffs. It, it was all there was so much joy happening in my life and especially on the mound. And usually that translates to success. I mean, for, for me, it did. That, that was just such a fun season. The next few years in Oakland, Zito remained a constant in the A's rotation, even after the team traded the other members of the big three. Mark Mulder was now a Cardinal and Tim Hudson an Atlanta Brave, the first teammates he met when he got called up back in 2000. I remember the first time I met Tim Hudson is, uh, you know, right when I came up to the A's. And, um, you know, he was essentially, you know, kind of, I think he signed as a senior out of college, which was very crazy because he was so skilled. And usually, you know, the super highly skilled guys are going out as juniors. So Tim was, you know, kind of the guy that introduced his crazy split finger to the league. And he'd been pitching there uh, for a few months when I met him. And, uh, and then the following year, you know, I got called up, but, but I had first met him in spring training of, uh, what was it of 2000. And, uh, you know, he had a few months in big league time under his belt. And of course I was in awe of him. Right. Cause I saw him on TV and there's something so special about like seeing a guy on TV and then meeting him in the flesh, you know, and then a month after that Mulder got called up and then, you know, five months later I got called up in the summer of 2000 and we weren't really aware that we were pushing each other per se. We were just kind of happy to be in the big leagues and, you know, kind of terrified every day, right. Of, of doing poorly. So I think in those early stages, you know, there's a lot of excitement and uh, you're not totally sure how you're viewing the whole situation, probably until, you know, the nerves settle after a year or two. In the 2006 American League Division Series against the Minnesota Twins, Barry opened the series on the road in the raucous Metrodome facing eventual Cy Young Award winner Johan Santana. And Zito worked eight magical innings and a 3-2 win for the Athletics. Barry, first game one start. How did that compare to your other playoff starts? Yeah, first game one, pretty big, you know, especially against Johan. And um, we all know who he is and, you know, best left-hander in the league last couple of years here and uh, undefeated at home. So, I mean, we had some odds against us tonight, but uh, those guys came out aggressive and, uh, you know, we played great D and we were lucky to come out on top. On December 28, 2006, just months after Barry and the A's lost in the ALCS to the Tigers, he signed the largest free agent contract at the time for a starting pitcher as he joined the Cross Bay rival San Francisco Giants on a seven-year deal worth $126 million. During his early days in San Francisco, Barry didn't quite live up to the expectations of his contract and ultimately was left off the playoff roster in 2010 when the Giants won the first of three World Series titles. The experience of not being on the roster helped Barry grow as he had his redemption in 2012, winning 15 games for the Giants and starting game one of the World Series versus Justin Verlander and the Detroit Tigers as the Giants went on to win their second World Series in three years. 2012 was incredible for me, just coming off of the 2010, a couple years before, and being left off the roster. And then, you know, 2011, I was hurt, you know, basically the whole year and then pitched out of the bullpen at the end of the year. So, it, you know, it was looking pretty, uh, pretty dire for me as a giant at that point, certainly with the contract. You know, so 2012 was just, it was such a gift, you know, and, and I, I, I honestly can't really take much credit from it. I think I was able to really let go of the, the fears, you know, of uh, pitching poorly, the fears of letting everybody down that I had pitched with for so long as a giant, because really I just wanted to do well. 
Um, but I didn't really have the ability to block it out as much as I would have hoped. So after a lot of pain and misery, you know, I kind of stopped pitching for myself and I, and I started to pitch more to glorify, you know, my maker and took a lot of pressure off me, to be honest. I, I, you know, my personal approval and my personal self-worth was not on the line as much, um, especially in 2012. I really was just trying to have fun out there. It was during that time that Barry went back to his roots and reconnected with an old friend, Randy Jones. They're really proud. I mean, really proud of the young man. There have been many times where he just could have, he could have quit, you know, and just gone, gone his merry way. But, yeah, you know, yeah, not that left-hander, man. And to see him bounce back like that and be so effective, yeah, I did my heart good. I know it did his, but, you know, the, you know, the one thing, like I say, he never gives up on that passion for the game that he has and that, that you know, that uncanny ability to, to compete and never give up. That's in some of the scouts, you know, some don't. But, you know, Barry Zito always had that. You know, and, I, and I just love that about him. Barry's final season with the San Francisco Giants came in 2013 as he went 5-11 with a 5.74 ERA and 25 starts. The following year, Barry took out a full-page ad in the San Francisco Chronicle, thanking the Giants fans for their support. The Giants had declined Barry's option for 2014. And after almost a year off from baseball, Barry returned to the game and the A's on February 16, 2015. Barry initially competed for a spot on the A's 25-man roster, but eventually accepted an assignment to pitch at AAA Nashville, where he spent most of the season. In 24 total appearances, including 22 starts for the Sounds, Zito went 8-7 and seven with a 3.46 ERA and 91 strikeouts in 138 innings. On September 16th, after an injury to Jesse Chavez, Barry was back on the big league roster. Barry's final start at the Coliseum came on September 26, 2015, pitching against the San Francisco Giants and his good friend, Tim Hudson, a reunion that warmed the hearts of all Bay Area fans. Barry tries a curve and misses up and away to Posey, and that is ball four. And here comes Bob Melvin. And Melvin also, like the rest of his team, wearing his pant legs up, showing some green stocking. And it appears that He's going to ask for Pat Vendetti, and he does make the move official. And so as Thunder says, the applause was for Tim Hudson. We'll wait and listen to the crowd as Barry Zito, for the last time at the Coliseum, walks off the mound, and he gets a, you know, a, a firm thank you and a handshake from Bob Melvin. And Barry walks off the field. A flood of emotion, certainly inside the left-hander, and maybe even showing some outwardly as he walks toward the A's dugout, his head down, but he he cannot avoid hearing the love that is sent his way by the A's faithful. He has finally taken off his cap, and he doffs it to the entire capacity crowd here at the Coliseum. And a great moment for A's fans, and a great moment for his former teammates Tim Hudson and Mark Mulder, both here witnessing the event. Well, it may have not turned out the way everybody had hoped for, but still, it was the best way to say goodbye to Tim Hudson and Barry Zito right here at the Coliseum as it should have been and it was icing on the cake as Barry said and I don't care what the score says what the line says for Barry for me that icing tastes awful good yeah that was pretty special it, it was certainly unexpected uh, especially from my end I mean I, I had retired essentially in my own mind for 
nine or 10 days and uh, was, you know, starting to jump into music here in Nashville and made my last start in Omaha in a AAA park and uh, had a party thrown for me by my teammates and I was sailing off into the sunset. So, you know, getting that call from Billy Bean a week and a half later asking me to come pitch uh, was, you know, certainly a surprise and uh, going up against Huddy in that game was incredible. Barry's final major league appearance was on September 30th in Anaheim versus the Angels. He went four innings, allowed two runs, as the A's went on to win 8-7. to seven. Barry retired from baseball on October 19, 2015. During his major league career, Barry won 165 games and pitched over 2,500 innings. Fast forward to 2021, he appeared on the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot for the first time, tied together once again with his former teammate Tim Hudson, who believes Barry has the best 12-6 curveball of all time. No question about it. There's, there, there, was, there, there wasn't and probably won't be a curveball as good as his when he was at his best. His Cy Young year, there wasn't a better curveball ever, I don't think. Barry's life after baseball was something he was preparing for before his playing career was over. Back in the early days, Barry learned how to play guitar and would play in his sister's band. He began writing songs as he prepared for a life after baseball. When he was pitching in Nashville in 2015, he would use his time off to learn the city's music professionals and pursue songwriting. Barry released his debut album, No Secrets, on January 27, 2017. In September of 2020, Barry released the song Ballpark Kids. The track looks back on the carefree childhood days when playing baseball was the only priority. Music may have not been his first career choice, but it was something Barry was meant to do. Singing is very natural for me, just because my family, you know, I came from a family of musicians, and I always had, you know, music in my mind, right? And I was playing guitar back in the baseball days. So for me to really land in Nashville, that was like a little gift, you know, from the sky, like, oh, wow, okay, here we are living in Nashville. So that, this is a great town for this music stuff. But it seemed very natural, you know, uh, but I do love the fact that I've gone into something where I got to be a beginner again trying to, you know, work with people and I got to earn my credibility and, you know, nobody's trying to hang out with me on a music front just because they're a baseball fan. Uh, you know, maybe that's happened a few times, but you can't continue to work with people unless you can, you know, bring the goods. And so um, it's nice to kind of start over and have the pressure on and, uh, and really have to, you know, be a rookie again. In addition to writing music, Barry was also on the TV hit show, The Masked Singer, when he was revealed as the contestant known as the rhino. Take it off! 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 Music wasn't the only direction Barry went after retirement. On September 17th of 2019, Barry released his first book, Curveball, How I Discover True Fulfillment After Chasing Fortune and Fame. The book looks back on Barry's ups and downs as a big league pitcher and someone who had everything but happiness as he takes readers down a path through his struggles and a life now defined by success. 
For me, you know, I didn't really see myself as an author or like I'm going to put a book out or whatever. I just wanted to just I just want to tell my story. And essentially, my goal was we have a lot of preconceived notions about people we see on TV or people we see on, you know, sports fields. Right. We can certainly assume what their life is like or how they're processing a certain thing or a moment or a, a World Series game or whatever. And I just wanted to shed a little light on that and really say, look, this is honestly what's happening. Um, in that person's mind in a position. And, and it's my mind, you know, but I, I I think most players that have gone through things similar to what I've gone through have also dealt with these same things. But like I said before, not a lot of people expose these things. Not a lot of people are going to shine the light, so to, you know, so to speak, on these dark spots in their life. And so I feel like the more transparent you can be with your baggage, then, you know, maybe you can teach some other people some things or, or maybe help somebody along that's having a hard time. And that was really my goal was, you know, if I can share the darkness that I went through, maybe, maybe it helps somebody else that's in the dark. Some may have seen this coming for Barry, but one of his oldest friends and teammates did not. Absolutely not. (laughs) I heard him sing and play on the airplane too many times. I could see how he could be a guitarist. He had he could really, really play the guitar, but singing, I wasn't so sure. But he was, uh, you know what, man, I'm really proud of, of, of where he's came as a person and as a man and as a father and a, and, and a, and a husband and as a musician. I mean, he really, he, he, he's done it. He, you know, he had a passion for it, and, and I think that he's, he's tapping into something that is, uh, is pretty awesome. He's an interesting guy. I, I love him to death. From the childhood dreams of becoming a Major League Baseball player and working his way to becoming a Cy Young Award winner and World Series champion to starting a second career as an author and musician while balancing being a husband and father of three, Barry Zito has shown through hard work, perseverance, mindfulness, and dedication, you can make your dreams a reality. His path to the majors has been well-documented. But it's the true happiness various found after baseball that is the most rewarding. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.